Welcome to Frankly Speaking Podcast. What it do, what it do, what it do. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking Podcast. It's been a little while since we last spoke, or I last spoke to you. And summer break is over. I took a little time to myself, uh, spent some time with my family. And um, without further ado, we're back. We're back, baby. We back. Sorry if you missed the podcast. Uh, I've been reading a lot. So you know what that means. That means we got some great content coming up for you. With you in mind. So we're here. You know, September. The last podcast we did was in June. Uh, It didn't feel that long, but it, it, you know, it had definitely been a few months gone without the podcast and I'm actually kind of nervous doing this podcast today right now and you know just because I'm really excited to to be back to be back in front of the mic to share some of the things that I've learned over the last couple of months and that I've seen and hopefully you know as what the purpose of this podcast is to take that information and relay it in a way that you can apply it to your own life. So with this upcoming season of Frankly Speaking episode, Frankly Speaking episode, (laughs) I'm just excited to get into the episode. So with this upcoming season of Frankly Speaking podcast, uh, I think there's going to be, you know, some different type of topics that we're going to cover. We're definitely going to get into the deepness that we've been getting into previously. However, I think there may be some some lighter, I don't know if it's lighter, but a different branch of truth that we will dive into. You know, there may be a, you know, UFO episode coming up. They may not be. You had to tune in to see. You know, I got a a couple of a list of a couple of topics that I want to cover and get into. Um, but yeah, so welcome back, everyone, once again. And tonight's episode, today's episode, whenever you're listening to this, uh, episode twenty-eight, I believe this is. And episode 28, it is. And, you know, as I said, I'm I'm even, you know, a little perspiring right now a little bit (laughs) because I'm just, you know, a little nervous. I haven't been this nervous since the first podcast, probably. Hmm. It does feel like a first episode ever, though. But it is not. This is the first ever episode 28. And the topic for episode 28 is symbolic thought versus symptomatic thought. 
All right. And as I usually do when we're talking about these type of topics, I always post the um, the goods in the show notes, the goods being videos, resources where you can look up the topic yourself or you can use your search engine to uh, find those topics. You know, uh, a good search engine to use if you're into these type of topics and or, you know, you want to search things with some privacy. I mean, I use start page. That's usually a good one, um, but you can use whatever search engine you want. But so let's go ahead and, you know, jump in. So we'll start with symbolic thought because symbolic thought. It's going to be the predominant thought process used, you know, probably globally, to be honest. Um, Right now, the average person probably uses symbolic thought more than they use symptomatic thought. Due to the institutions of belief in those areas of the mind the symbolic thought really kind of dominates a lot of the, you know, everyday talk, media talk, you know, what have you. And since we're talking about symbolic thought, symbolic thought is going to be defined as a learned behavior. Decisions based on mythology and or superstition, you know, so basically for an example and it, and it's kind of you know self-explanatory you think you look at a symbol and you think it means whatever you've been told to think it means and that's kind of how we you know a lot of times that's how we look at things right so symbolic thought would be someone telling you this is the truth and you believe it without any you know, evidence. They don't have to prove anything. They can just tell you like, yeah, this is it. And they, you see this symbol that means this, you know, or, and this can go really deep. Symbolic thought is really, really can be really, really detrimental to society. And it has been, you know, and the gentleman that coined the term, he wrote the book. His name is uh, Edgar J. Ridley. And I'll link to that book and I will link to his his website as well Um, he posits that symbolic thought is the I guess the core of you know your religions your political thought advertising discrimination prejudice stereotypes on and on and on because He's saying that, you know, with even with, you know, racism, that's all symbolic thought, because the what you do and, you know, essentially is. If you see someone. And you automatically apply. Whatever stereotypes or, you know, you see a black man walking down the street and you automatically get defensive or tense, then that's a form of symbolic thought because that black man represents a symbol of learned 
behavior and or learn thoughts that was giving to you, even though you may not have experienced that man ever in your life, you automatically think that person is somehow, you know, whatever you, you know, whether positive or negative, you know, uh, or if you see, you know, a white man walking down the street with a collared shirt on, you automatically think he, he works at a, a bank or something like that. Or if you, you know, any of these type of stereotypes we see, you see an Asian person, you think they can't drive or, you know, all of these cultural stereotypes that we have floating around, that's all symbolic thought. And even deeper with that is symbolic thought also comes really kind of encompasses the mythology thinking, because that's you making up something about about someone that you don't know or you're making up something about a institution that is not true you see what i'm saying so it, it it like for example um symbolic thought is is used as tools for mind control such as you know religion advertising is a good one we know advertising is notorious for using symbols in their ads and subliminal symbols in their ads to entice you to go watch a movie, you know, or go see, you know, this new car that just came out. Or, you know, they use symbols as and, and symbols doesn't necessarily have to be. And let's let's kind of clarify this. When you think of a symbol, typically we think of. A symbol as being just like a, a, a static picture. A symbol is not just a static picture. You know, a symbol can be a a family standing in the front yard of a white picket fence in a nice small ranch in the background with a BMW parked in the driveway. That could be a symbol. So we have to expand it to when, to see this thing for what it is. We have to expand what and how we think symbolic depictions are you see what i'm saying so for example in the book by um it's called the golden apple changing the structure of civilization volume one edgar j ridley he you know has some you know quotes in here from different people who speak about this thing and and when you hear symbolic you can also you know, interchange that with uh, superstition, you know, and one of the quotes that I found interesting when I was reading this book, you know, over the last, actually over the last week before I even, you know, started the podcast because I wanted to have it done. I got most 90% done. I didn't finish it, but uh, I got the gist of the book. It's actually really good. And I, I am going to finish it probably by the time this podcast comes out, but he states super quote superstition is defined as a belief founded despite evidence to the contrary. That is irrational. A belief resulting in faith in magic or chance. And then he goes on to say, and you know, after that uh, cultism and superstition go hand in hand with symbolic with symbolism and mythology cult, and superstition are byproducts of mythology in addition he goes on to quote a french scholar here and quote um 
Is it not a superstition which makes millions of people believe that the deity passes into a wafer after pronouncing over it some mysterious words? That which a philosopher calls superstition, the priest calls a religious act and makes the basis of his worship. Is it not the priest who keeps up all the most absurd superstitions because they are lucrative and keep the people under his dependence by making his agency almost a, a necessary one in almost all the instance of our life. End quote from the from the scholar there. Uh, the author then picks up here. Religion preys on the emotional vulnerability of people and manipulates them in such a way that it dictates their behavior and their pattern of thought. And end quote. And I want to bring an emphasis to what I said a few minutes ago. Where we have to reevaluate when we're thinking about this type of thought and the way we use it, because symbols, as I said, aren't just what we typically think them to be. They're not just a logo per se. Because when we think about a symbol, that's that's one of the, the main things that comes up in our head is a logo. It is a logo. And it's more than that, because one of the 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 most dominant symbol that we know are words, because words are just symbols. You see what I'm saying? Letters are symbols. The word that you put other symbols together to make an even bigger symbol because a symbol is defined as anything that you can attach something it's like um well my definition let's put it that way and you can you know look it up and all of that stuff and I'll look it up here too as well but a symbol is can be anything a symbol can be a circle on a piece of paper and you can make that mean anything that you want it to mean because that symbol in and of itself does not have any meaning unless you attach meaning to it. You see, so what's happening right now when we can see this and the proof to that is what's happening right now is in the media and, you know, the news and all of that kind of thing, even in the cultural, the way that we're using words and changing the definition of these words every day. You got a new different word every single day. If you listen to the mainstream media news, they've thrown out different words. And if you go back and look up those words, they mean something totally different. So the word itself is just a symbol and they can you can attach any definition to that that you want to. You see, so. Now, let's bring that back to. You know what the author and the and the French scholar was saying. You know, with superstitions, because if words are also symbols, wouldn't that not include everything that we read? So language, written language, is also symbolism because it's supposed to represent a thought, and that thought can be anything. You can make whatever that thought is up, and then write it down. Another example of a symbol is money. Another example of symbol 
is the political parties, the donkey, the the uh, the the elephant. You know what I'm saying? As soon as you see that donkey, majority of you, especially you know in this in this area here that I live in, they automatically think that's the right way, and it's just asinine. It's 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 ridiculous to even think like that. Just because you see Democrat, you automatically think that that's the best way to go. That's the best way. And you're you're you can't be paying attention to what's going on. There's no way. Or or the other way, you as soon as you see Republican. Oh, yeah, that's the correct way. That's the best way. That's the way to go. You can't be paying attention because there's no way. That you're paying attention to what's going on. All you see is a symbol. As soon as you see that cross. Your whole you're frozen. You know, you see you see these things, you see these symbols every day and you've accepted what the meaning is. Those symbols don't have any meaning unless someone tells you what they mean. Because you wasn't born with knowledge of that particular symbol as a child. You had no idea what it was. It was a nothing. It meant nothing to you. Until someone told you what it was. Well, somebody told you what it meant. And that's the whole gist of, you know, symbolic thought. You know, just accepting something that, you know, doesn't mean anything, but accepting the meaning that someone puts on it as truth. You know. The author goes on and here's another quote here. Uh, Edgar goes on to say, quote, this is one of the core problems with mythology. Myths are totally driven by the myth maker and his desire to manipulate, which means the endless manipulation of facts and entities. You see, because, again. Words are also symbols. You know, as soon as you see another, you know, you see the the word love, think about all of the connotations that you thought of just in that minute when you thought of love. You see, you think of family, another, you know, you see the word family. What do you think of when you see those things? Because they're going to mean something else to someone else. Someone else is going to perceive them different. So and this is how we mostly think throughout the day, you know, so we see these all of these symbols are constant or constantly around us. Logos from the cars, logos from companies and brands, you know. uh, Even down to more. Deeper rooted symbols as if looking at a person's skin tone brings up positive or negative connotations all symbolism you know and we how many people have been killed or maimed or you know disowned and all of this stuff just based off symbolism it doesn't even mean anything it's made up it's made up mythology and what have what have you done to someone over a symbol? 
You know, think about that. Think about what have you done to someone because you saw a symbol or something and you thought it meant whatever it meant. You believed it meant whatever it meant. And what did you do? How many people did you cut off? How many people did you lash out at or vice versa? How many people did you allow in and you never should have because they gave off the correct symbol? You know, thinking about all the people that was killed for religious reasons, religious symbols. You know, think about just, you know, even in European history, right? All of those women that were killed and, and men that were hung or exiled or burned at the stake because of symbols that the other people didn't understand, had no idea what they were, didn't know what they meant. I want a good example of a symbol that a notorious symbol that is used like that is the swastika. The swastika was originally used by the native tribes all over the world, meaning peace and unity and so on and so forth. But it got that symbol had got an extra connotation, negative connotation because of the Germans, um, Hitler's regime used it as their symbol right so now that symbol is looked at as oh you must hate jews how in the world did that symbol go from its original use to now you hate jews if you have a swastika you see so that's a prime example of how a symbol can have a benign meaning and someone come along and change the myth on that symbol or change the meaning and now it means something totally different than its original purpose you see what i'm saying that symbol even with within you know hitler's uh regime that symbol still was used to unite the german people at that time you know that that's what it was used for it wasn't used for anything else uh anybody's any nation's flag is used for unity of those people of the nation You see what I'm saying? So, you know, and it's one of those things where we continue to do this to ourselves all the time. You know? And you're, as I pointed out, just a few examples of you can see the detriment that symbolic thought has had. Another, you know, big one is the all-seeing eye. Another, you know, very notorious symbol that means uh, a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You know, the average person sees the all seeing eye and automatically think it's evil. Then you got another sect of, pe sect of people that see the all seeing eye and think of the pineal gland. Then you have another group of people who think something totally different. One world order. You see what I'm saying? So one. So how can a symbol have so many different meanings? And this is the danger of symbolic thought, you know, and one of the big things. And as I spoke about words being symbols, reading is also symbolic. That doesn't mean that it's bad and not, not all symbols or some, you know, are bad. There are symbols that we see on the road every day telling you to stop. That's symbol. That's not a bad symbol. That's telling you to stop because you're if you don't, you're going to cause an accident. 
You see what I'm saying? But if the reading is based in a symptomatic thinking, it can be beneficial. You see? So symptomatically, that means we know what that actually means. We know it to be true. So we know that when we see that stop sign, it means stop for a reason. And the reason is stop so you don't harm yourself or others. And so you can take turns using the intersection. You know, looking at the symbol, we're not looking at that in belief that, oh, we believe if we stop, this is going to happen. No, we know if we stop here, we can potentially avoid an accident and cause the flow of traffic to go, you know, or let the pedestrians go by in, in this. There's no belief in that. You know it to be true. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. And on the flip side, we're going to jump into symptomatic thought. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is your host, Frank G. And if you are liking what you hear so far, please like, subscribe, share, follow the podcast page on IG. And if you can, please donate to the podcast all information will link in the show notes. Thank you. And we're back. We're back. We are back. And, you know, just to reiterate, we just spoke about symbolic thought. And I gave a few examples of how symbolic thought is pretty much detrimental for the most part, unless you have a symptomatic way of thinking about it like the street signs you see for traffic is a example that i gave um and there's so many more you know negative examples of how symbolic thought has really led the world over the last you know couple thousand years into just nonsense you know what i'm saying and this is why it has to be brought up because if we're not aware of it, we're going to continue to use it and continue to go down uh, the paths that we're going down. And as I pointed out in the, the last seasons of the podcast, we've entered in a space where your thought process will either help you or hinder you. And that's just, just just that like there is no way to get around it now we've we've entered in a space where now the way you truly think about yourself and the environment and those type of things is as your life is going to go you know you really do have to be mindful and intentional about how you think about things whether it's yourself your immediate family your household, outside of your household, and so on and so forth. You have to be intentional and try to unroot those thing, those negative thought processes as in symbolic thought in a way where there's no kind of evidence or anything backing up those thought processes. When you see that symbol, what is backing up your thoughts of that? Is it just a belief because someone told you? You know what I'm saying? 
or did you actually do some type of, you know, experimentation or did you actually experience said thing? And now that symbol has a symbolic, I mean, a symptomatic thought process behind it where symptomatic thought process or thought it's pretty much it is what it is thinking non symbolically or seeing things without attaching connotations to it is what symptomatic thought is and it's the natural way the brain actually works you know that's your default thought process you know it means it, it so for plain terms or in like kind of a, almost a oversimplification of it would be just seeing things as they really are without, you know, as I said, and not without attaching connotations to it. You know, uh, this leads into deductive reasoning, analytical thinking, logic is what, you know, symptomatic thought is based in, you know, and then, as I said, it, it's pretty much the innate default thought process in our brains and ultimately it you know to sum it up if you see something and you experience it now you know what it is there's no belief necessary you see what i'm saying no one has to tell you oh oh yeah um that's what that means and you just take it for their word for it oh okay that's what that means then you know, and we're guilty of all parents are guilty of that with their children for the most part. I think, you know, there's been plenty of times and and most of these institutions are guilty of that. Aber, you know, all the companies, all the brands are guilty of that. The religions are guilty of that. Politicians are guilty of that. You know, this is why we have the issues that we got going on right now in the world. You know, so with symptomatic thought, this is where actual experience comes into play and you're not, you know, seeing something and taking any kind of hearsay about it. You have experienced it in a way which allows you to know, like, okay, I know this is to be the case. No one has to tell me what it is because I've experienced it either directly or I have some type of, you know, evidence to suggest that, you know, this is going to be this way or that, you know what I'm saying? So let's return back to the book, The Golden Apple, Changing the Structure of Civilization. And in chapter four, uh, definition and use of signs and symbols. The author goes on to state, quote, uh, Suzanne Langer defines a symptom as a natural sign that is part of a greater event or a complex condition in which it is a notable feature. Elsewhere, uh, he names uh, Serlot and Garber defines symptoms as a sign. To sum it up, there is a distinct difference between a sign and a symbol. A sign is a symptom. 
and a symptom is always a part and has the original stuff to which it points. However, a symbol can never possess the original stuff to which it points because it is a substitute and has no originality, end quote. So if you recall, I did the episode on uh, symptoms are the solution, right? And we go back to this quote. It says that there's a distinct difference between a sign and a symbol. A sign is a symptom, right? And a symptom is always part and has the original stuff to which it points. So when I did the episode, you know, symptom is the solution, the premise was this. When you are showing symptoms in your body, you're coughing, sneezing, runny nose, you know, fever, chills, all of those things. Those are symptoms of something that's a process that's going on in their body, in the body. And remember what, you know, in the book, what Susan, Suzanne Langer defines a symptom as. She defines it as a natural sign that is part of a greater event or a complex condition in which it is a notable feature. So, and it's just it, thinking about it. I didn't even think about how this tied into symptom is the solution, but it does. And it's like, and, and this is what drives me to do these podcasts and to talk about this information because all of these things tie together. It truly is. And I, I hope that all of you are listening that are listening or seeing this play out in your ears as you're listening to this podcast, how all of these episodes and this information tie back to one another. I did not plan this, to be quite honest. I It, it just dawned on me why, as I was reading that quote, because in the episode, if you haven't listened to it, please go back in the archives and check it out. Symptom is the solution is exactly what she just said. You know, the symptom is a sign of a greater event or complex condition in which it is a notable feature. Isn't that what, you know, symptoms are when you're showing, displaying symptoms, whether it's mentally or physically, spiritually, in, in, in a lot of people's cases, you know, when those signs, those coughing, as I was just, you know, saying a, a few seconds ago, the coughing, the, uh, you know, the chills, the sneezing, all of those things are symptoms because that's what the body is doing to regulate itself. It's trying to get rid of the mucus. It's trying to get rid of whatever bacteria or virus or whatever is causing the symptom. The symptom is what's going to help you get better. And in this case, in the thought process, the mental part of this, the symptomatic symptomatic way of thinking is going to give you a better, more clear vision and outlook 
on life. Because again, they state here that a symbol can never possess the original stuff which it points because it is a substitute and has no originality. And if you recall, when I was talking, when we were talking about the symbolic thought process, I said, why, how can a symbol have that many meanings to that many different people? Because it doesn't have anything original. It has to be created and it has to be giving. It has to be given meaning. For it to mean anything. You see what I'm saying? It has to be given meaning. It doesn't have meaning on its own. The cross has no meaning on its own. You know, the crucifix has no meaning on its own. Those words in the Bible don't have any meaning on their own. They were made up. Those words in any book of literature that you read that is, quote unquote, you know, you know, religious or, you know, um, non I mean, fiction. When we read these things, they seem real, but they're not. Unless you know. <laughs> Without a shadow of doubt, you had some type of experience with it. You know. The author goes on to state it is important to understand that symptoms are cultural indicators. They are signs that culminate into history. Symptoms are, are ways to read history. In fact, symptoms are a reading practice. Symptoms are language without metaphors is what the author says and you know that pretty much you know i i think for me that sums it up quite well on what we need to do going forward as individuals but also as a world society a worldwide thing we need to get off of symbolic thought processes and look because when you're thinking symptomatically, you're not, as it, as it says, you're not attaching any connotation to what's going on until you experience it. So when you're walking down the street, you're not automatically defensive or overly, you know, submissive to one person or the next person unless you have evidence to suggest you know what I'm saying? And any that goes for all things, relationships, you know, people who you find to be very good looking, people tend to be more submissive to people like that. And they get, you know, fucked over usually because those people haven't shown you anything. They haven't shown you any character. So you're looking at their beauty and you're taking beauty symbolically to mean good. Or you're taking beauty to symbolically to mean, oh, this person is a, you know, can really be a, a good lover or whatever the case may be because they're, they fit the cultural standards of beauty at the moment. That's a no go. You can't go through life like that. Children don't even do that. But again, symbolic thought processes learned. They will do that once they get indoctrinated through the school system. 
they will start thinking like that. But at first, children don't think like that. They don't know when they see fire, they don't see fire symbolically. Or if they see a socket, you know, they know they don't think like symbolically. Okay, that's a socket that has this in there. They don't know that yet. You know. They don't know until they experience it. This is why children, especially toddlers, they got to go around. They're going to touch everything in the house. Uh, if they live there, they're going to go in every room. They're going to touch everything. They're going to touch everything because they, their brain works in a symptomatic process. Oh, what is that? I need to touch it. I need to put it in my mouth so I can experience it so I can know what type of properties it has. You see what I'm saying? Children also do this with people. They not going to just run into anybody. Y'all know this. For those of you who have children currently, or for those of you who, you know, have nieces and nephews or have, you know, cousins or even work with children, you know this to be the case. They're not just going to run and go to any old person. They're going to look at them and they might be standoffish at first because they don't look at things symbolically. They don't look like, oh, okay, that man, you know, he's he has the same skin tone as my dad, so he must be good. No, they're going to look at your ass and be like, mm, I don't know yet. And then after a while, you start coming around a little more. Then they be like, all right, you know, I've seen you. I've seen you being, <laughs> being around. Maybe I'll let you hold me for a few minutes and I'll see, you know, if your breath stink or not. You know, maybe that kind of thing. But I, I kid. Uh, but yes. Pay attention to, you know, children when they move around and watch how they think and do things. There's, there's no symbolic thought there. That doesn't come until it's learned through school and later on through the, you know, as they're as they develop and they start really mimicking the adults. That's where the symbolic uh, thought process comes in or if they're going to church and all that kind of thing. That's where that stuff is indoctrinated at. You see what I'm saying? So going forward, if you're interested in, you know, developing yourself further, really dive into this, really look into because this is part of self that dark shadow work. But now you have a name to it. So I hope that this podcast really helped you out. And again, this podcast, you know, inadvertently links back to symptom is the solution. So please go check that episode out. And with that, thank you so much for listening to the first episode of the new season of Frankly Speaking Podcast, episode 28. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Thank you for listening to the episode. And I would greatly appreciate it if you can find it within your hearts and souls to like subscribe follow share rate comment you know review the podcast on especially if you're listening on um apple or spotify that's greatly going to help me out and help me reach more people in addition you know if you haven't already or if you've been thinking about it please support the podcast if you would like to support the frankly speaking podcast with a donation you can do so in the link 
in the show note with that thank you so much enjoy yourselves and come back and listen to the next episode peace